The future is now. Finding the NOSO has never been easier. Subscribe to us on our new YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, and bookmark the new home for No Holds Barred, The Jenny Position, Wrestling War Zone, and all your favorite NOSO podcasts at NorthSouthConnection.com. It's New Year, New NOSO, NorthSouthConnection.com. Welcome to episode number 12 of the 7 Months of Danger podcast. I am your host, Sean Kidd. And tonight, we are talking Clash of the Champions number 18. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host and our special guest tonight, who joins us for all our pay-per-views and our clashes. Up first, Mr. Scott Shifflett. How are you tonight, Scott Shifflett? Sean, I'm glad to be here. Glad to have everyone here. And also, the Clash is now legal age, so we can take her out on a date. God damn it, right out of the gate. Uh, yes, the clash is now legal. Thank you, Chef. Uh, uh, Matt Souza, how are you tonight? Jesus H. Christ, how am I supposed to follow that? Uh, good to there, be there, here. There, there is no following that unless you... you're drunk or That's high right. or whatever. Yes. You're right, so I'm not even going to try. Uh, good to be here. All right, welcome, Matt. Uh, Logan Crossland, how are you tonight? Well, I didn't get my name twice, like Scott Shiflet. Scott Shiflet. Okay, nope. uh, but no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good to be here. Uh, uh, happy to be here with you guys, so looking forward to it. Did I say Scott Shifflett twice? Yeah, you did. How did that happen? I don't know. Okay. She had a stroke or something. All right. I heard I heard my name somewhere in there, so I talked. All right, Logan Crossan, Logan Crossan, thank you. And last but <laughs> not least, our, our special guest for all our clashes and our pay-per-views, Jacob Williams. How are you tonight? I'm I'm doing well. Um little Kerry Von Eric situation. The Texas tornado, not the uh, you know, the drug abuse. Uh did you lose I a think... foot? <laughs> Did you lose a foot? Not yet. The, tor- the tornadic what? activity. Um, maybe you said Scott's name because he has so many double letters in his name. What's up with all the double letters, Scott? Oh, it's double yeah. S. Double S. Yeah. 
Double T, double F, double T again. <laughs> you know, I got, Jake, I, I I got like, nothing. I feel like, hey, Jake, I feel like on the Impact Pod, haven't you recorded in like Storms and Tornadoes before as well? Um, I think so. Well, I think Lewis was the one that was always known for having like, um, like it always sounded like he had like, you know, in, in school, if you had to put on like a play or something, you would get like, uh, what, what would you use for that? Like a piece of tin and like, yeah, uh, yeah. Like wiggle it. I, I feel like it was mm. Lewis all the time that was in the middle of a rainstorm, and I guess Logan as well because they mm-hmm. well yes. until recently <laughs> both lived in the same area. It's, right, tradi- well, it's tradition to have a biblical storm happen while a podcast recording goes on. Well, hopefully Jake will be able to join us for the whole podcast and doesn't blow away and is in Twister Part Two. I'll, so uh, wish you well. I can always strap my um, J.C. Penny belt to a, a post and I'll be fine. So perfect, be all good. All right, perfect. perfect. All right, awesome. So tonight, like I said, we are talking Clash Eighteen. Uh, Logan, before we jump into it, uh, what has been? Uh, so we are actually officially at the halfway mark of this podcast mini series at episode twelve. Logan, what is the best match we have watched so far in the history of this podcast? Um, it is from one of our previous clashes. It is Rhodes and Steamboat versus the Enforcers at four and three quarters. And then our worst match is Austin and Champion from episode number eight. So that was a dud, dud, dud. So, um, yeah. I don't know if we'll ever beat. Well, we might get we might beat that best match if we ever. Well, maybe. But I think that worst match is probably going to stand the test of time. Maybe. Mm-hmm. We'll see. All right, and who, and in our awards, who currently holds the title for the most dangerous? Um, most dangerous is a tie between Paul Lee and Steve Austin. Wow, Steve Austin at three, quite the come from behind victory because he was not on a good run there very well. And who is the least dangerous? And with five least dangerous is Steve Austin. So. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Jesus, he has both <laughs> distinctions. <laughs> I don't Might know. How that, that um, that's not like an anchor man thing. Like, uh, <laughs> I have the least most dangerous man. <laughs> and that is the craziness of this He's podcast. Only, only here can we have the most dangerous and least dangerous all in the same fucking show. Whatever. Mm-hmm. All right. So before we jump into the, before we jump into the clash, I am going to go to our Meltzer notes, and these are from January twentieth of nineteen ninety two, and we had quite. The happening here uh, before the clash. So I am going to jump into it and I'm going to ask here and there for your thoughts from random folks. Are you guys ready for this? You ready? Yes. All right. World Championship Wrestling Executive Vice President Jim Hurd resigned Wednesday from the TBS organization after losing what appears to have been a him or me go struggle with Booker Dusty Rhodes. While it's been reported as a resignation and technically it was, WCW overseer Jack Petrick apparently asked her to take a non-wrestling position in TBS syndication on Wednesday. I don't even know what TBS syndication would be, but I guess that would mean he would oversee Saved by the Bell. I don't know. Her, <laughs> her, her, her turned down the switch, offered his resignation, and by week's end had moved from Atlanta, where he'd been residing during the week, to his full-time home in St. Louis. Matt, before I move on, any initial thoughts about Jim Hurd? Uh, and going and not taking TBS syndication and getting the fuck out of Dodge. I guess Jim Hurd didn't want to uh, program all those charmed reruns, but uh, uh, Jim Hurd, uh, notable for being one of the biggest dumbasses to ever uh, have any semblance of power in pro wrestling. So uh, Godspeed, you dumb fucking idiot. All right, I, I like the chop. My wife, very big fan of Charmed, by the way. So mm. she, 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 more like Jim Turd. Jim wow. Turd. Wow. 
All right, more. We're gonna we got more coming on Hurt here. Hurt took over as the man in charge of WCW three years ago. The three years could be best described as unsuccessful in most aspects of improving both the visibility and popularity of the nation's number two wrestling promotion. Hurd will be replaced as executive vice president by Kip Fry, 38, a TBS attorney with even less wrestling background than Hurd, entered a job with. However, there is some optimism in the WCW camp with the belief that Fry is going to leave the actual wrestling other person in the hands of Rhodes and Jim Crockett and just concentrate on legal and financial aspects of the company. Schiff, I'll go to you. Any thoughts on Kip Fry and Jim Crockett taking over or Jim Hurd? Well, it's got to be a step up. Um, and also, a lot of the wrestlers look back and enjoy Kip Fry. And he's I've forgotten about the history because you have Hurd uh, come in. And then, um, as we see towards the tail end of this pod, um, of this pod, when we're done with it, not this episode, uh, that Watts comes in and like he's the and her, uh, Kip Fry is seen as the buffer. And Watts. WCW sucked and, you know, Hurd's WCW had a rocky start, but was, you know, sort of coming into its own, like, at least creative-wise, I think, as we're seeing with the Dangerous Alliance, but it wasn't coming into its own with making money. As if you go back and look and, like, read all observers, they're they're having, like, 1,100 people yep. or, yeah, well, and, yep. and lower and, like, no one buying pay-per-views and stuff. It, it was abysmal. Absolutely. So more on Fry. Fry is a graduate of Duke Law School had worked in private practice in both California and North Carolina before taking a job at TBS as an attorney in April of 91. He had worked with WCW in a number of legal situations, the most high-profile being the attempt to regain power, control power of the NWA and thus regain the old belt back from Ric Flair after he had joined the WWF. He didn't have a lot of success with that, so I don't know what makes him think he could fucking run a wrestling company. He couldn't get the belt back from Flair. Um, it was heavily speculated at the end of the week, including by Hurt himself, that the straw that broke the camel back was when WCW lost Ric Flair. Original reports from the company were that Hurd resigned because he was frustrated with his inability to get the company competitive with Titan Sports. While there's already been criticism of appointing another chief officer who has no pro wrestling background, some feel Fry will handle the position better than Hurd, who became well-known within the office for his sometimes volatile personality. Uh, I'm hoping Kip Fry knows enough to know he doesn't know anything, said one person associated closely with key WCW personalities. For three years, we've been watching this thing fall apart. Another WCW office employee said of Fry, he's a very intelligent person and not intimidating like Kirk can sometimes be. The higher-ups were frustrated that the company couldn't turn a profit. Jake, before we move on, any thoughts on Fry and Heard and what you just heard? Yeah, I mean, I think Fry is kind of considered a babyface in this just because people hated Jim Hurd so much. Like, I guess you guys will go through it and see, like, how successful he really was. But I feel like his reputation was kind of like um, like a player's coach is the best comparison, I would say. Like, everybody hated Jim Hurd, at least, like, even though he is just kind of another corporate guy that they're bringing in who's, like, just a lawyer who knows jack shit about wrestling, he at least seemed to be aware that he was a lawyer that didn't know anything about wrestling. He was kind of open to listening to people who are better, which is not, you know, the worst management philosophy, I guess. Absolutely. Better to have a lawyer probably than a Pizza Hut guy running the company, I guess. All right, so, Logan, I'm going to run through the rest of this on the uh, Fry and Herd stuff, and then I'll have you comment before we get to the rest of the news. So, apparently... TBS ordered a report on the wrestling company after three years of heavy losses thought to have been in the $19 million range. After top to bottom interviews with the company management, the report came out that Heard was a minus and was cited as not getting along with people. You think? 
After the resignation, Herb reportedly went to a steering committee meeting and heavily blasted Rhodes, Jim Ross, and Magnum TA. Although, according to several reports, he praised Jim Crockett and said he felt sorry for having to deal with the other three. According to those close with Herb, he said he felt that he, he had tremendous weight, had been lifted off his shoulders, and that his job at the WCW head was the hardest job he had ever had, and not in terms of workload, but in terms of pressure. He came down hard on Ross, Rhodes, and TA, and blamed the Flair situation for ultimately doing him in. Hurd apparently said that he felt Flair was the greatest wrestler that there that has ever been, but his demands were too high, but that losing him was the biggest mistake he made in the company without Flair, with no shit, Sherlock. Um, while there has been much talk within the company of regaining Flair over the past week, our reports indicate Flair has an ironclad two-year contract with Titan Sports through September of 93, which we all know does not uh, pan out that way. Uh, Fry is scheduled a press conference and reduce himself to the wrestling media for January 22nd in Kansas City. The warning of a television taping after the clash are nearby Topeka. We, however, will see him tonight on the uh, clash. Uh, he's taken over an organization as a degree of momentum build up from a television and arena product that has made significant improvements since the steering committee was formed. And Jim Crockett has assumed a more influential role. Crockett was responsible for bringing back Jim um, Crockett. I'm oh, sorry. Um, Crockett was responsible for bringing back Rick Steamboat, Rick Reed, and Polly Dangerous to the organization, all of whom have been key figures in a revitalization. However, the minor upswing has uh, come nowhere near making up all the popularity lost since Jim Crockett promotion hit its peak in 1986, nor <laughs> even since TBS purchased the company from a financially drained Crockett in late 1988. You know, this is amazing. They're, we're all praising Crockett here. This is also a guy that fucking sunk a company in 1986. This is great. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so Logan, uh, any final thoughts here before I go to the other news that's going on here is on this whole entire situation? Just, just a big mess with the whole herd thing. I mean, he's obviously an idiot. Uh, everybody hated him. Um, I, I do think probably Dusty and Jim Ross and all those guys are probably harder to get along with than we think uh, deep down. But uh, I, I think it was more of a of a herd problem than it was a any of them problem. And you know, like like the other guys have said, Fry wasn't you know isn't a wrestling guy per se. But uh, I think he understands that and he'll uh, kind of dole out. Uh, responsibilities of candle and creative to people that know what they're doing. Yeah, here, here's what's popping me right now. So the people that are technically running this company now, Jim Crockett, Dusty Rhodes, Magnum TA, and Jim Ross. So this is 1987. So, so the so let's 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 think about this. The committee, the people that put the UWF out of out of uh, out of uh, business. The people that put Jim Crocker Promotions out of business are now running WCW in 1992. What what, what are we doing? Sounds like it sounds <laughs> they like just we're can't good. get out of their own way. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. It just sounds like we're setting up for failure, no matter what we do. All right, moving on. So, uh, so uh, goodbye and uh, so long to Jim Hurd. All right, moving on. Apparently, Jushin Liger will definitely be at the 229 pay per view, and probably going to be against Brian Pillman. Liger is expected to make frequent appearances in WCW this year. Uh, we will see how that plays out. The reason there is all the NWA talk is they were talking about doing the NWA versus WCW Unification World title match again. Uh, as we had previously reported on this show, they were talking about doing a unification match between Jerry Lawler and Lex Luger, which blew my mind. Uh, they haven't decided who the new NWA champion will be, but the name uh, Kijo Muto, who, by the way, as of this recording, just did his retirement match in Japan, just seems to have magically appeared on the page in this sentence. So um, I think I'll go back to Sousa. Sousa, any thoughts on this NWA WCW unification? And instead of Lawler, go in with the great Muda. Any thoughts on this? 
Uh, look, anybody's an upgrade over Jerry Lawler, as far as I'm concerned. In 1992, like you put any like that Lawler Luger match, I'm almost certain would have been absolutely terrible. And uh, having KG Muda, who is of course uh, great Muda, there makes sense to me. He's one of the biggest names in Japan. It is weird to see him as NWA champion, but yeah, uh, uh, I'd be very surprised if this is a thing that actually happens. But we'll see. NWA champion for. An NWA, that means jack shit at this point. Probably right. at this point in time, as much jack, well, maybe not as much jack shit as today's NWA. <laughs> no, nothing's this bad. Yeah, not, not even close, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, TV ratings for the past two weeks saw on 1228, WCW drew a 2.3, well below what it had been doing, probably due to the NFL. Play- By the way, you kill for a 2.3 today, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the following week, it fell to a 2.1. Fucking main event at a 1.8. One of its all-time lows at a 2.5, respectively. A power hour did a 1.9 and 1.8. Could you imagine wrestling on a regular basis doing these kind of numbers today? I'll go to you, uh, Schiff. Pretty fucking good numbers for, like, syndicated TV. Yeah, and it's crazy that they're seen as bad numbers, but it's it's just a product of the time. And, and also today with, like, television, and it, not that many people having cable and watching it in alternative ways. Like, I think the n- numbers are antiquated, but, you know, it's just funny to look back at these things and Meltzer's like, oh, my God, everything's in the shitter. Oh, like, WWE for Raw 1000 got a 2.34. So, like, think about that. And they were touting that as hot, the highest in months. So, yeah, Saturday it, night crazy. at a, two, a main event on a 1.8 on a sunny night. I mean, that's anyway. All right. Uh, oh, uh, uh, this one will go to Jacob because he was on us. He was on this show with us. Latest estimate uh, for Star K ninety one, which is Scott Shiflet's greatest show of all time, did, did about a one point one percent buy rate, which would translate into approximately three point four million dollar total gross, of which TBS WCW share would be about one point four million dollars. Jake, any uh, any thoughts on this buy rate and this uh, dollar amount? Um. Scott got his money's worth. We know that. Uh, I'm trying to think. Would this be? I'm trying to think of the time. I mean, is this? It bad? seems. It seems. I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, seem it seems terrible. all right. Right. It seems all right. Yeah. 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 A 1.1 sounds pretty solid for WCW in you know 1991. So good for them that. Uh, now the thing would be like, is it going to affect them later on? Are people going to be like? Last time they had Starcade did this fucking bullshit uh, battle royal thing. So maybe I'm not going to shell out next time. So who knows? Maybe it's, you know, I, I guess I was saying it was like, I wonder how much it was a Starcade name that that buy rate's based off of as opposed yeah. to the quality of the show. Because, you know, like once you buy it, I mean, that's it. I mean, you could hate it after. You're not getting your money back. Yeah, it's certainly not based on the lethal lottery. I mean, I mean, I guess it has to be. Well, you know what? Honestly, it could have been because it was a new, it was a new thing, new gimmick. Starcade name, so it could all be encompassing. Um, I'd be curious to know what the next pay per view buy is at Super Brawl. So when maybe Super Brawl. Be curious. Maybe Schiff ordered it three hundred and forty thousand times on his right. own. Right. Or maybe, or maybe it was because they wanted to raise. It was all the money that everybody knew they were going to raise for whatever that fucking charity was that they could figure <laughs> out at the time. If you guys remember that, skim the money off the top. Man. Yep. Right. Yep. All right, uh, Logan. Next one goes to you. Steve Austin blew out his knee and is out of action. No word for how long, although he's not expected to miss the clash. Scott Steiner almost missed, also missed a weekend with a serious case of the flu. PN News missed some shows because of a bad hip, probably because he's fucking fat. And Paulie Dangerously, <laughs> Paulie Dangerously 
Vitness shows, but was suffering from pneumonia at the last tapings. Any thoughts there, Logan, on all that? Well, hell, son, I'm just going to rub some dirt on it, and then I'm going to come to the clash and whoop some ass. Um, but no, nah, just a, a P and News having a bad hip. I'm sure he said, uh, Al baby, Al baby, Al, when he uh, walked oh. around. Uh, <laughs> P and News weeks. has had a lot um, of problems because on, on our last episode, <laughs> he got in a fist fight with Recruit and got the shit beat out of him. So P and News having some issues lately. <laughs> I'm shocked with his physique that he has hip problems. I cannot believe uh, it. <laughs> they need to have some uh, hand sanitizer in the backstage, apparently, though, because yeah. flu and pneumonia, not good stuff. Not, yeah, not but look at look at yeah. Up, yeah, yeah, look at us. We're a bunch of pussies with COVID. Look at these motherfuckers toughing it out. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying. All right. Next one. Oh, here we go. All right, Susan, we get you the Van Hammer one. Oh, Van, Van Hammer will be sent back to school, so to speak. After the clash and brought back when he learns how to wrestle, <laughs> you, you you fill in the punchline here. But seriously, it seems to show the company is interested in providing a good product. Either that or they come to grips with the fact that Hammer and Oz are major flops. Well, it's not like nobody told them ahead of time. Susan, any thoughts on Van Hammer and Oz? Well, the joke's on WCW because Van Hammer would never learn how to fucking wrestle. So, <laughs> What about what about that guy, Oz? I hear he kind of sucked, too. Yeah, I don't know if he'll ever turn into thing. Anything. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if Phil. Ironically, Van Hammer makes it to the very end of WCW. He sure does, and he <laughs> sucked every time. He yep. sucked for ten years. All right. So does Oz. So does Oz. Oz makes it a long way too. Ironically, I guess going back to school worked out for both of them. Yeah. Um. All right, Schiff. Scott Norton is coming in, but we don't know when. Yeah, we would have to wait till um second episode of nitro for that because he they spoiler alert for you guys he was also supposed to be sting's uh opponent at slambury 93 and that turned into be nailed the former nails mm-hmm. i think we yeah i mean that turned out very well for us yes okay all right jake this one's for you jason hervey of the wonder years was a star on lifestyles of the rich and famous that aired this past weekend in syndication Missy Hyatt was on the show and called a sports commentator out of Atlanta with no reference to wrestling except that they met at a wrestling match. Since Robin Leach has done work segments with Ted DiBiase and Randy Savage, I guess that means he can't mention WCW. A clip of Ron Simmons also aired with the piece. Any thoughts on Missy Hyatt and Jason? I want to see the Ron Simmons right. aspect of this. I don't know. I always like, um, I don't know. I don't know if he's a cool guy. I mean, a nice guy in real life, but he always bugged the shit out of me, the Jason Harvey stuff. I always thought he looked like a fucking, like, like he looks so much like he's trying to look like some Hollywood hotshot producer guy or something. And it's like, settle down. You're like a supporting actor on the one New Year's, dude. Like, I, ne- I never got the whole Missy Hyatt Herbie thing. It was all, it was, I was like the uh, weirdest relationship ever. It's so. very, it's very weird. It's very, very strange. All right, Logan, short one on this. I don't understand this one at all, considering she's, Medusa signed a contract on Friday. Help me understand this one. I don't get it. Logan? Boo. Boo. <laughs> I don't know. Just boo. I don't know. I don't, I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> All right. I love how that one worked out for you, considering you're the world's biggest Medusa, Mark. That worked out very well. All right. Exactly. All right, Schiff, this one will go back to you. Oh, wait, no. This will go to Sousa. Then we go to Schiff, I think. Barry, Sousa, Barry Wyndham will be a heel by the spring to fill the void at the top left by Lex Luger leaving. It's way too soon to make that move, and it may actually probably will wind up the same way Luger did as being a dead fish. Luger is leaving, and it's no big deal <laughs> because after all these years as being a major overheel and face, he has turned one time too many 
and fans simply don't care about him, and his title reign is, was a waste, which has nothing to do with the ghost of Ric Flair. So any thought on Barry Windham backfilling Lex Luger when Luger leaves? Yeah, I don't know why you would want to turn Barry Windham heel, as we're going to talk about later tonight, considering how over he is right now. Like To even have that thought just tells you that, yeah, you could still take a guy like Jim Hurd out, but there's still fucking stupid business going on backstage. That, that makes no fucking sense to turn him over. Yeah, Barry Windham low-key comes out of nowhere to be one of the top faces of the company, and it kind of starts tonight. So we'll talk about that uh, here shortly. All right, Schiff, last note, last but not least. Dusty Rhodes will be back on television and involved in angles and bull rope to Polly Dangerously and house shows <laughs> during the tag team title matches. Thoughts? He should have stayed off TV at this time. Um, I think he just does come back as an announcer, but I was shocked that he they actually made him stop wrestling and he listened. So um, I'm, I'm glad he stayed away. And going back to the Barry Windham thing, like Susan said, it would have made zero sense. And I'm not even sure if it happens. It may. Any thoughts on uh, Dusty being bull roped to Polly dangerously? I thought it meant like he just tied him up like a bull. I, I didn't realize they were tied together. That that would be hilarious. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't mind seeing one of those matches. That'd probably be entertaining. All right, so that is all the notes. So clearly, a lot of stuff happening here, and that takes us to tonight, January twenty first, nineteen ninety two, Clash of the Champions eighteen, and we are. In Topeka, Kansas. So uh, we are going to talk about some of the other matches, um, and I will go from person to person here um, for random thoughts because I assume all of it. So I'll go to you first. So Matt, I'll go to you first. You don't have to go line by line in the matches because I'll bring them up individually. I assume you have watched this entire show at some point or another, if not for this watch, correct? Yeah, that is correct. All right, um, Schiff. I assume you've watched this whole show. Yeah, at, at some point. Okay, Logan. Uh, yeah, definitely at some point. I did not watch through the whole show for this uh, this watch through, but I've definitely seen it at some point. All right, good. I'll put you on the spot tonight. That'll be comfortable. And Jake. <laughs> yes, um, I did rewatch it for this. I may have skipped the Be It News versus DDP match. Uh, okay. Yo, baby, yo, baby, yo. Well, you know what? I did watch the whole show. So I, if you did not watch, I did not qualify everybody on this show to watch every single match because mm-hmm. this is about the Dangerous Alliance. So. Um, I will go around and I'll ask if anyone has any memory of some of these matches, because some of these matches I have big memories of, especially our opening contest. So our opening contest on this show was the Steiner brothers defeating Big Van Vader and Mr. Hughes. Um, as I was looking at the reviews for this, um, basically, here, I'm going to tell you how it how the ending came up. So basically, Rick Steiner leaps off the top rope and nails uh, Mr. Hughes with a bulldog. Rick covers Hughes and picks up the win. This one got three stars. I remember this one as being like a hard-hitting, just stiff fest um, between the Steiners, and they just beat the living shit out of each other. Uh, Souza, I believe if I remember, recall in conversation, you were a big fan of this tag team match as well. Yeah, it's a great opener to this show. It's an awesome, like, host fight where it's for all four guys really just throwing bombs. Kind of everything you want, or I would want, out of an opener, which just guys beating the piss out of each other for, like, ten minutes or so. Uh, Vader and Mr. Hughes, quite a weird tag team on paper, but, uh, yeah, uh, super fun opener to this clash for sure. Yeah, pretty random tag team here, especially where, mm-hmm. especially considering in a few months where Vader ends up. It doesn't make a lot of sense, this tag team, mm-hmm. but phenomenal. I mean, just... You just want to see, like, what do we call it? Uh, meat slapping? This is a good meat slapping match. They just beat the shit out of each other. Um, I won't go to anybody else because I know Susa is probably the one that, like me, really enjoys this match. I am going on our next match, though. I am going to go to um, Scott Shiflet because it does have Star K91 uh, MVP, uh, the Taylor Main Man, in it. And I assume Scott <laughs> Shiflet would like to talk about it. 
so it is Marcus Alexander Bagwell, Bagwell and Brian Pillman defeating MVP Star K91, Taylor Made Man, Terry Taylor, and Young Pistol Tracy as a tag team. Um, and it gets three, it gets, it got two and a half stars. Bagwell sunset flips Tracy, and Pillman drop kicks Taylor into Tracy to allow Bagwell to get the win. Scott Shiflet, do you remember this match? Uh, no, but it sounds like they were keeping the Starcade gimmick up with this lethal lottery team right here. So, um, so you probably would you probably would have gave it four stars, right? Oh, a hundred percent. But it, it's weird they kept Taylor as a heel despite him being a quasi babyface against Luger. Um, that that's very interesting and speaks of WCW. Look, right, heel, heel or babyface, he still sucks, so it doesn't matter. All right, uh, Logan or Jake, anything you would like to add about this probably potentially really shitty match? <laughs> Um, just seems okay. like a, a heat up Pillman for his Liger stuff coming up. Like, just get put him on a team with a win. But yeah, real random for sure. I I personally yeah. think I think it's a tragedy that Pillman's in this because to me it's more about them heating up Bagwell because they've gotten Bagwell recently involved with the Dangerous Alliance, and I think this is more about Bagwell than Pillman for me. And I think that's bullshit. Logan, what were you gonna say? Uh, I mean, uh, it involves filming, so it's got to be at least pretty good. And uh, as much as we shit on uh, Terry Taylor, I feel like the few, very few times we've seen him, he hasn't been all that bad. So uh, I, I'm sure it wasn't uh, too bad. I, I think Tracy Smothers is pretty good, too. Um, and Bagwell, at least at this point, isn't uh, turn off television worthy. So um, I'm sure it was an all right match. By the way, I wasn't joking about uh, MVP Starcade Terry Taylor. Oh, I, really I was the fucking MVP. I was totally serious about that. Right. That's why that's mm-hmm. that's why that show's not great because mm-hmm. if he's the MVP, mm-hmm. something's not right. So, all right, mm-hmm. our third contest of the night: Johnny B. Bad defeating Ricky Morton. So, Bad rolls through a crossbody and wins the match. Uh, this match only got half a star. Susan, any thoughts on this? Uh, half a star seems right. It probably was bad, and that's bad with two Ds. All right, very good. This next segment I remember vividly, and I'll give it five stars. Eric oh, Bischoff God. interviews Brian Pillman and Johnny B. Bad. <laughs> Pillman is focused on winning the WCW Light Heavyweight Championship. Bill, Pillman talks about growing up watching various Japanese wrestlers. Pillman is going to have the championship return to the United States. Bad basically offers nothing in an interview, and then he just randomly puts a lipstick sticker, like a lipstick <laughs> on Pillman's face. And then Pillman just proceeds to drop Bad with a huge right hand. Like, he just sucker punches him hard. This is five stars. Johnny B. Bad was an annoying piece of shit here, and Pillman just socks the shit out of him. Susan, do you remember this one? <laughs> Nobody puts a sticker of lips on my face. Did, do you remember this segment, though? Uh, very vaguely. This I'll is say. a fantastic segment. Uh, it's do you so remember this strange. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah, it's very strange. To, like, it's weird that he's facing, <laughs> that he's going to be facing Liger, and this is the angle they take. Because, like, Liger's whole, it's not like he's some, like, nefarious foreign heel or something. <laughs> like, and he's not going to talk to <laughs> like respond to this so it's just odd and i know it was like a thing during this time frame like people getting pissed off that like japan was uh i guess their economy was a lot better than us and the japanese cars and stuff but it's just an odd angle to take on a jushin liger feud mm-hmm. with brian pillman listen the, the light heavyweight division was shit because really it was brian pillman and everybody else and then, and then liger so like I thought this segment was great because I hated Johnny B. Bad, so seeing him get the shit beat kicked out of him was great. I thought it was awesome. All right, our fourth contest. <laughs> PN News defeated Diamond Dallas Page. News with a top rope body splash, and he pins Page. This one got one star. Uh, Scott Shiflett, you probably would have gone four. What do you think? What do you think about this? 
No, PN News sucks shit. And um, another double S. But um, yeah, and DDP, you know, he probably had like steps one through 53 on how to do the match. I mean, it's real rich coming from me. I'm not a wrestler, but um, yeah, I mean, just horrible match. PN News sucks. Like, get him off my screen. He really hasn't sucked in anything we watched up at, well, we, we'll see a match here in the next few episodes where he really does suck. But I, I just have to say, I, there's no way that PN News versus DDP was a better match than Johnny B. Bad, Ricky Morton. There's no way. <laughs> nope. I agree. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, I, I might disagree with you, but okay. Well, you don't I, like Johnny B. Bad, so I mean, I do not. You can, all right. You can so, throw DDP in the bag with Oz uh, going nowhere. <laughs> and Van Hammer, yeah. All yeah. right. Logan, I'm going to throw this next one to you. Top 10 in WCW. Number oh, 10, geez. Larry Zabisco. It's already wrong uh, <laughs> because he should be number one. Uh, number 10, Larry Zabisco. Number nine, El Gigante. Number eight, Big Man Vader. <laughs> Number seven, Dustin Rhodes. Number six, Cactus Jack. Number five, Rick Steiner. Number four, Ricky Steamboat. Number three, Steve Austin. Number two, Sting. Number one, Rick Rude. Any thoughts on this top ten? Yeah, El Gigante being on this list at all makes it invalid. As always, uh, Larry <laughs> mm-hmm. definitely should be higher. Uh, Dustin definitely should be higher. But, uh, yeah, just Gigante being on it at all uh, makes it moot. So no no, no, no reason for this to exist. <laughs> we, have seen, we have talked to Gigante one time. Since October, like we started in October with this podcast with Halloween Havoc, we've seen him one time at Starcade. I don't know how he's number nine. I will <laughs> say, uh, the, the sadist in me would like to see a Lex Luger El Gigante match. Oh God, did that ever happen? Because he's maybe it's because he's nine feet tall, <laughs> so he's number nine. Oh, so, so he's number nine for being Larry at number ten is an absolute tragedy. Just a tragedy. All right, you're right. He shouldn't be on the list. <laughs> All right, you, 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 and, and, and you should go fuck yourself. All right. So this next round, I'm going to ask everybody's opinion on this segment because this is kind of like, so here's where we see our first Kip Fry appearance, but he also makes a bigger impact here because out of the blue, when I watched this part live, when it first aired on uh, 92, it shocked the shit out of me because I didn't see it coming. So Tony Schiavone welcomes, they call him K. Allen Fry, not Kip Fry, K. Allen Fry. So the man of three, three words who now operates WCW, apparently Fry has a contract for the next WCW World Heavyweight Championship match, and he announces that Luger has signed a contract. Fry has found a personality who will give Super Brawl 2 events some attitude. And it's Jesse the Body Ventura, which, again, at the time, just came out of nowhere. Because seeing Ventura in WCW was shocking for many reasons, and I'm sure many of you will state that when I get to you. Ventura says that WCW is the wrestling of the future. <laughs> Ventura is back where he belongs, and it's in wrestling. Giovanni takes over and announces that Lex Luger, let me turn my page here, give me one moment, will defend his world title against Sting. Sting comes out, and he gets fireworks to celebrate the announcement. Lex Luger has some words for Sting, which were pre-taped, and in this pre-tape, Luger looks like absolutely just jacked to the gills. Like, literally, his shoulders go up to his ears. Like, you can tell he's, like, all roided out. Uh, Luger says he's basically chose to be an exile for WCW, as he needs to concentrate for his match with Sting, when in reality is he's already used up all his fucking dates. I think we all know that now. Luger says that Sting will just be another chapter in his career. Sting signs the contract, and there's the ring to play into the crowd. And again, like I said, Luger looked very, very bloaty in this promo. So, uh, Suze, I'll go to you first. Thoughts on Luger, Sting for the world title at Super Brawl, and of course, the shocking debut of Jesse the Body Ventura. 
well, you know something, Shivani, it's great that WCW is the wrestling of the future. Well, for at least another eight years or so. Um, yeah, uh, I think Sting and Luger make sense. I'll have some thoughts about the whole uh, Sting stuff later on in the show about what's going on with him. But yeah, I, I, they got to get the title off Luger. <laughs> and I guess Sting is probably the best guy uh, to do it at this point. Uh, so uh, good on them for uh, getting that slug shit Lex Luger to agree to come to Super Brawl 2 because we know in reality he probably really didn't want to do anything so uh, good on that but uh, yeah it's a match that makes sense any thoughts on his arms looking like they were coming out of his ears at this point I think his arms always look like that but especially <laughs> especially at this point he All was right. he was super on the juice absolutely uh, Shiflet any thoughts on on Luger Sting and Jesse the Body debut well um, you know since we're you know, I know we make jokes all the time, but we're, I'm on a little bit of the younger side. So growing up, I was only I, I just knew Jesse just being as a WCW announcer. It wasn't until later on that I watched older wrestling and saw that he was, you know, in the WWF, of course, and did great work. So like, you know, him showing up and debuting has always been like, well, you know, this like I'm just used to him and Tony Schiavone as, you know, when I was younger. Oh, so but, uh, for you, for you, WCW is like the normal thing because that's all you do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. I never thought of it. That's a good point. Okay. So I was just like, oh, he's finally here type deal. And um, as as for Luger, uh, quote unquote, he's definitely not going to the WWF guys. I mean, he he's just in shape for no reason. He's right. he's he's not leaving. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> all right, uh, Jake. What about you? Yeah, it looks like if you poked Luger with a with a needle, he would like pop and <laughs> float away. He's so and uh, go, ah! um, I like that they bring out old KL and Fry because it's not like he's like you know. I love the three. Not, I love the three name man, KL and Fry. I love yeah, that. It's not right, like, it sounds K. like a Allen. DJ yeah. or something from the fifties. <laughs> yeah. um, yes. But yeah, like because it, it's not like he's really going to be a character so much. Like it's not like he's super charismatic. But WCW would always do this, like. Whether the person is really like an on-screen character, they feel the need to like show these mm-hmm. like like this dude who just likes a like a plain ass lawyer guy. Right. Um, it's like fucking Harvey Schiller in the NWO days. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um <laughs> Harvey Schiller. Um but yeah, Ventura is interesting because it's like you wonder, is it gonna work um in the WC to be like just their tone? But I think it's a big get for them because it's not like WWF didn't want Jesse, it just kind of like they were in conflict. So I think it looks sort of good for them because it's not like a cast off. It's more like somebody like if anything, Jesse was like the opposite. He was like, I don't need the WWF. Like I'm bigger than y'all and kind of peaced out on him. So I think that's a cool gift for them to get somebody who's not like, it's like they're scraping the the barrel or something like WWF cast off. All right. Excellent. Thank you, Jake. And last but not least, Logan, your thoughts. Yeah, getting uh, getting Jesse is a big deal at this point. I, I think I think that's definitely an improvement in the in the commentating department. I think him and Shivani do some pretty good stuff going forward. Um, him and Ross, uh, m- maybe not so much, um, but I, I think that's more of them just not getting to, getting along with each other. Um, yeah, Luger looks like like Jake said, if you poked him with a needle, he would get popped and just go wow, like he always does. So when I he feel like Luger. Like, as I say about Luger yeah. is, if you guys ever seen Doctor Pipple Popper. You ever mm-hmm. seen that show? I feel like I feel like if you were if you were to pop Luger, he would be like one giant pimple, and all that would be less as a pus. 
Jesus Are you calling God. like Sluger a giant? Like, <laughs> just like, I, like I feel like all would be left is like just Luger's skin husk if she were to pimple pop him. That's how Luger's that's skin husk. <laughs> <laughs> available available on WWEshop.com. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Logan. Go ahead. Um, K. Allen Fry is the most like infomercial lawyer name I've ever heard either. So that definitely fits. Uh, and that and uh, Sting Sting getting the title shot makes sense. Um, but yeah, a, just a pretty good segment all around. Uh, kind of introducing Jesse and uh, naming the title match for Super Bowl. Yep, good stuff. Very good segment here. All right, our fifth contest for me, one of my most probably underrated favorite class matches ever because of the chicanery at the end with Missy and Abdullah the Butcher because I'm an Abdullah Mark. The Cactus Jack Grand Hammer Falls Count Anywhere match that ends up in the back. Um, I love this match. Susan, do you remember this match? Yeah, you know, it's weird. I don't know why they thought Van Hammer had to go to wrestling school because he had the best match of his career here. So I don't yeah, know what happened. This match, this match is absolutely hysterical. Uh, I believe Misty ends up in, what is it, in a big, like, trough of water. Or what is mm-hmm. it? I try to, mm-hmm. And then Abdul, and Abdullah ends up in this. This is just a really, really fun match. Probably one of the best matches actually on this card. It might be the second best match on this card. Would that be accurate? Maybe Matt. That's mm, it's I would uh it's, it's close, close, but yeah, yeah, it's close. All right, Jake, you remember this match? I do. This is where they end up in the uh the stable, right? Or like with the horses it's or like, something. It's like, it's, yeah, it's like the Canadian it's like the stampede in the back or something like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Here Topeka. The Topeka stampede. <laughs> the Topeka yeah. stampede. Yeah. It's like the rodeo or something going on in the back there. Yeah. Yeah. This is a lot of this one's a, you remember this one, Shiflet? Yeah, I like you guys said, it's Van Hammer's best match. I just remember Cactus Jack yelling the whole time. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, this one's a lot of fun. So if you're going to go back and watch this class, and if you're only going to watch it for the Alliance stuff, I would go out of my way to watch this match. This Shift, please don't do that noise ever again. I, I, I remember it too, Sean. <laughs> okay, sure sorry, go ahead. Look. Did you like this one? <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I, I always remember the uh, battling around the back and ended up in kind of like the stables, like Jake said. Uh, but it, it's entertaining for sure. All right, this next match, none of us should ever watch again, but it's also memorable for another reason, because this is also the debut of the Freebirds and what was your excuse music? If you guys, this is the uh, this is the debut of that song. So it is the Freebirds defeating Brad Armstrong and Big Josh with the debut of that awful, awful song. Uh, Souza, as the biggest Freebirds mark in the world, any thoughts on this one? Don't you attach my name to that. Jesus Christ. Uh, I'd rather put my nuts in a vice than watch this Freebirds match. Well, they are Freebirds, and what was your excuse, Matt? I don't have one. (laughs) All right. We're going to move on from this one because I don't want to talk about the Freebirds any more than I have to. All right. Up next, Eric Bischoff interviews the Steiner brothers. Uh, Then Rick talks about uh, take. He talks justice, and they're coming after the Dangerous Alliance for the tag team titles. Scott says they will prove they are the best tag team in wrestling. So for me, um, it's good to finally see the Steiner brothers get in the mix because we have not seen a Steiner's brothers tag team match or talked about one on this pod since we started it. And I'm finally glad to see the Steiner brothers getting involved. Um, the next contest, we have talked about the debacle of Oz and Oz Dini going back to school. Well, what about Vinny Vegas? Because he defeats Tommy Rich here. Uh, Shiflet, any thoughts on Vinny Vegas defeating Thomas Rich? I think I used to fast forward through this match. When I was younger, and I would have done the same today. <laughs> All right, Jake, any thoughts on Vinny Vegas? I just like his yelling. 
like when he's coming there, he's always got like a Larry thing, but he, I guess it's supposed to be like a Vegas, like wise guy or something. I don't know, but he's just yeah. like, hey, oh. come on, come on. Oh, nah, nah. oh <laughs> like, like when he's walking to the ring, he does that line. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I got it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. All right. I actually thought Vinny Vegas was a good character, and I think they totally blew it. I think they could have done something with him, but yeah, I think he just became, yeah, he became an afterthought. All right. So now we're going to jump into the meat and potatoes. So the rest of this show, we're going to talk about all of these dangerous alliance, and it's going to start off with a fantastic interview with Eric Bischoff and Paulie Dangerously. So Paulie comes out, and it's a promo, and he says, from the start, every prediction he has made has come through. The board of directors has changed, which I thought was a really nice, timely dig at Jim Hurd. The fall of Sting. The tag team titles have changed. Tonight, he predicts and he promises one of the top faces is going to be out for good and crippled forever. Then he talks about Wyndham with his crunched hand. Then he holds up the four fingers and he says he couldn't hold up at the end of that organization. I love it when they say organization. I've said this before. They never say the horseman. They just said he couldn't hold up his end of that organization. He calls Dustin the son of a putrid plumber. Says Simmons' dreams were crushed day after a national holiday and he'll be back in the ghetto, which doesn't age very well. Um, Steamboat goes home and causes mental damage to little Ricky because he has to watch dad's permanent disfigurement. Um, and then he talks about Sting's nail in the coffin. And then he said, oh my God. Then he says he's sending someone home to Magnum TA's retirement home. This freaking promo was wrong in all the right ways. And I probably shouldn't enjoy it in 2023 because of how wrong it was. But holy fucking shit, I loved every minute of it. Susan, what did you think of this promo? Uh, yeah, Paul was on fire here. I mean, he's always on fire, but this is like next level stuff. Uh, the uh, uh, the highly uh, racist things about Ron Simmons, of course, not being very, very, very uncomfortable. Jesus very Christ. Uncomfortable. Yeah, I, like to the point where I'm kind of surprised they didn't scrub this promo segment from the network from the cock or whatever the hell you want to call it uh he, he also you missed this one sean he also called dusty a horse thief at one point which oh yeah I, well i thought future <laughs> i thought future plumber was bad enough <laughs> but uh yeah uh more amazing stuff from paulie as per usual uh, yeah uh shift any thoughts on this promo so this was this was 92 right yes yep yeah all right 1992 uh and guys we're recording this uh after raw 30 21 years, and Paul Heyman is still one of the best promo guys in the industry. It is a good time. But sorry, thir- thir- 31 years. My apologies. Yeah. 31 yeah. years, mm-hmm. and the man cuts a mean promo. My God, this was amazing. And he was so – And he be- what makes Paul so great is he believes everything that he says. Like how he says, like every single prediction he's made has came since he came back has came true. Um, and you know, he just eviscerates everyone. Yes, it, what what he said was not politically correct. We're not flying twenty twenty three, but damn, like, hold, I wanted to see Paulie get his ass beat. What do they say? The best heels always have a sense of truth to what they're talking about. By the way, goes with how his promo went last night. By the way, that opening. I, I know this is a totally different subject. That opening segment of Raw last night, probably one of the best segments in years. That was just unfucking believable, and Paulie is just amazing. Uh, Logan, oh, I'm sorry, Jake. What did you think on the uh, on this interview? <laughs> yeah, he, he was awesome. The the permanent disfigurement was great. You could kind of see like it came off like um like an ECW Paul Heyman promo a little bit, mm-hmm. like a little bit more in a WCW style. But it kind of had that more like because an ECW would kind of do this where he'd always throw in these like you know where he's like trying to be edgy, 
where he, I think he's just trying to be a heel, but it kind of had that kind of, um, like, like he was going for this kind of scorched earth thing, like he would do in ECW. So, um, yeah, he was great here. Yep. And last but not least, Logan. Yeah, him pretty, pretty much promising the maiming and destruction of all, all individuals that come towards the Dangerous <laughs> Alliance, and that w- one of them will meet their demise tonight. I love that he vaguely doesn't say who, uh, but he implies that one of the people that his uh, organization has taken on tonight, uh, that, that they they will meet their end uh, of their career in wrestling. So, yeah, yeah, just great stuff as always. Like, you know, like Shiv said, he's still cutting amazing promos today, so it it's it, it just... It just shows how awesome he is that throughout 30 years, he's been uh, as amazing as he is. So uh, just great stuff. All right. So hold that thought because this promo might impact how I feel about one of the matches we're going to talk about here shortly. (laughs) So uh, the first match we have with the Dangerous Alliance tonight, uh, it's a six man. It is Dustin Rhodes, Barry Wyndham returning finally from injury from the Halloween Havoc uh, car, the car, the car uh, incident. Uh, and Ron Simmons def- uh, taking on Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, and Larry Zbysko. Arn and Eaton won a tag team belts the previous Thursday in Jacksonville. It's a hot start with Eaton and Wyndham trading superplexes, uh, which leads to all three faces getting figure fours on the heels. Ron Simmons goes full beast mode on Larry and Arn with a double shoulder blocking and clotheslining them, which was great. Dustin hits a dive in clothesline over the top rope, uh, to t- top rope to the ramp on Eaton. Barry drop kicks Eaton off the top um, rope, and he takes a savage-looking fall. Dustin takes the face of peril spot after a missing dive, going to the ramp and getting hit with a phone. Uh, then he eats shit on a spine buster, then a DDT. Eaton hits a great top rope elbow. Wyndham then gets a, eventually gets a hot tag. There's a top rope lariat to Eaton, then another lariat. All six in. Eaton goes up top, but Barry nails him with a um, hits him with a uh, the taped up hand for three. Really great match. I wasn't too big of a fan of the end, but I thought this whole match was fire. I thought it was a great return for Barry. Uh, Dustin always is a great face in peril. Um, and again, Simmons was just a beast and a really, really great heel, uh, great heel work. Um, after the match in the locker room with the faces, Wyndham doesn't give a damn what anyone says. He's kicking tail, starting with Larry because of what he did to his hand. Guarantees Larry and anyone involved with him will fall and be crippled forever. I thought it was, a, I think Wyndham comes out of this really standing up and looking like a top baby face going into where we're going to go in the future. And I thought it was a great return for him. I went three and a half all in on this. I thought this was awesome. Just top to bottom. Suze, I'll get you first. What'd you think? I'm right there with you. I went three and a half on this too. Uh, super fast paced match, super fun start. It was quick. It was like probably 10 minutes or so. And they just went nonstop for the entire thing. Uh, this is kind of what I was expecting out of most of these tag matches was stuff more in line with this. And I, I, what really worked for me with this too, is that, and we've talked about it on past episodes, uh, the formula of these tags, uh, this did not meet that formula. And I think it was much better off because of it. Like it's just, they were doing different, stuff in this match than we've seen and i think it really worked for me like even something like the triple figure four i I thought was just something different that added to this match and uh, the pace was fantastic and yeah just a super fun match i'm kind of with you i I think the finish was a little weak with the the uh the Mm. punch but uh, i mean with the rest of the match being as great as it was i don't think it hurts at all that much so uh yeah great stuff here three and a half for me all right uh Yeah, I went three and a half as well. Like, it's a great match. Um, with with the with the end with him hitting the cast, I like how they 
they've all uh nwa and wcw is always big like if you hit someone with the cast that was a ko especially in the late 80s and the early 90s sean as we used to see on crock and roll so it, it was nice to see how they you know i thought like cast would like would kill someone so like when my stepbrother got a cast when he broke his thumb i was like oh don't don't let him hit me with that he'll kill me but <laughs> you know it wasn't wasn't that hard but um I, I just love, like like uh, Susan said, the trio figure fours. I have that here. Um, and I loved how Simmons caught Bobby Eaton when he was coming off the top rope with the bear hug, which I thought was awesome. By the um, way, I know I talked about Barry Wyndham. Ron Simmons in this run against the Alliance, we've talked mm-hmm. about Ron Simmons has been really great too, by the yeah. way. And so. that's really opened my eyes because, like, you know, I thought, you know, growing up, like, I thought he came out of nowhere to get to win the world title. Um mm-hmm. In, in I want to say like August, but like he's actually shown pretty well as like an upper mid card baby face here, and yeah. it's kind of forgotten into time. And I think it's because spoiler alert, he's not in the Russell War match, and I'm really interested to see what happens with that. Uh, um, I could I could tell you what happens. They put him with jun- junkyard fucking dog. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So. And I just loved with like Barry hitting the lariat from the top row to Bobby Eaton. It, it was just uh, it was a fun, like Susan said, like chaotic match because they didn't have much time to work with. And also, Sean, when you brought up Barry Wyndham's interview, he said he has a short list of names he's going after, and he just says one, Larry Zabisco. No names after that. Yeah, <laughs> and that's a short list. It's like I'm going to name my favorite person A. Larry Jake, and it's like what? Hey. <laughs> Why Jake? What the fuck, man? Take that. But Larry should Just be like the one Barry because window. he's the one that broke his hand. So I, I'm okay with I, it. So I mean, Jake should be everyone's favorite person, but we'll, we'll move on. All right. So speaking of our favorite person, Jake. Oh, okay. Jake, what did you think of this? <laughs> yeah, this was real fun. It was very frenetic. Uh, I like the figure four spot in the beginning with the, uh, you know, all around the ring doing the figure four. And Dustin, I mean, you guys have, have put him over a bunch, but I love Dustin as like the young face in peril, mm-hmm. like especially with all these guys who are like uh, veterans, you know, I just think it elicits like natural sympathy to have him beat up by these um, these older guys. I love all the little heel details like uh, arm kicking from the apron and stuff, just trying to get any cheap shot he can. And um, I love the uh, the stooging by the enforcer is always great. Larry and Arn are both super good at it. So um, it really gets the crowd fired up when they take an ass kicking. And like you said, Sean, it's a good kind of – it's a cool match and that it ends – it kind of has a storyline thing of, like, you know, Barry's back, motherfuckers, like, with his cast and everything. So all that really well executed, a fun match, and uh, like I said, drives the story forward. So I went three and a quarter. I thought it was damn good. Awesome. And Logan, would bring it home. Um, yeah, I, I super enjoyed it as well. I, I went three and a half uh, like the rest of you guys. Um, obviously, great to see Wyndham back in the ring. I thought it was kind of weird that he got taken advantage of in the uh, in the early part of the match quickly, but Eden's offense kind of doesn't last long after that. Um, everybody's mentioned the trio figure fours. I thought that was really cool. I really like that spot. Um, Simmons' athleticism is on full display as he kind of uses a, a, a some real athletic uh, moves getting out of an arm bar at some point and he catches a uh, and when he catches uh eaton diving like shift said uh into the bear hug fans are the fans are super fired up for everything the faces do 
Um, Dust, I, I really like Dustin in this. Uh, his athleticism for his size is unreal. Um, I really wish we could have seen Wyndham kick uh, Zabisco's ass a little longer in this match, um, but I think we're going to get that uh, going forward at some point. Um, I love that Larry even yells when he does his little drop downs to when you know the other person's running the rope. So he he goes down and goes, oh, yeah, you know, and all this <laughs> good stuff. But uh, Rhodes misses the dive to the outside. I, I thought that looked pretty nasty. Um, he, he does a great job taking heat from the heels uh, in these tag team matches. And I, I thought the hot tag to uh, win them at the end was well done uh, and the win. And uh, he does not have a cast on guys because, as Jim Ross says over and over again, it is a heavily taped hand. Uh, and he it. used that to gain the victory. So I thought, I thought that was smart. Uh, but three and a half is what I win as well. Yeah, so, yeah, really great return for Barry. Good sign for Dustin as the face in peril. Great sign for Simmons. Great heel work. Really, really great tag team match. So go out of your way to watch this match. This one's really, really great. So, um, and I think I think Matt said it. Not your typical tropey formula, dangerous alliance tag team match. So really good stuff. All right, so it takes us to our main event. And our main event is Sting and Ricky. So, by the way, um, nobody uh, nobody here got crippled to the Magnum TA retirement home here, like Paulie said. So we'll see what happens in the main event. So our main event is Sting and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat taking on Steve Austin and uh, Rick Rude. So there is no Medusa tonight, so Logan is happy about that, number one. So I guess she had not signed the contract at this Woo-hoo. point yet. Um, uh, let's see. So Ventura also joins Ross for commentary. And... Ventura, as we all know, if you watched him in the WWF days, loves him some Rick Rude and jumps right in um, and says, uh, based on Paul's promise tonight, Steamboat should be very careful. But then again, so should Sting because he has a title shot coming up soon. Uh, And then Rude comes on and says, tonight we are all cable watching couch potatoes. So um, Rude's, um, I find that Rude's commentary on what we are needs to kind of up its game a little bit because it's still very 80s uh, stick. Um, So I always bring this up, but um, was it, I'm, I'm a couch potato now, and that doesn't really pop me. Uh, and they also make mention that these are the top four of the top ten in WCW, so this should be a good match. Uh, Ventura jumps right back in the heel color guy without skipping a beat. Steamboat pummels Austin with chops. Steamboat gets multiple pin attempts and karate kicks both heels out of the ring. It's announced that the Steiners will meet two members of the Dangerous Alliance this Saturday. We will cover that on our next episode. Uh, there's multiple atomic drops to Rude. From Sting, and of course, Rude always sells those like crazy. Then he gets clotheslined. Sting looks lost, then does a camel clutch. There's a boring clutch trade-off by the faces. Sting later takes face and peril spot as heels work him over with punches and a boring Rude face lock. Austin does hit a nice back suplex. There's a hot tag, which I thought was kind of lame. Not very hot, I think. And Sebo takes on both heels with chops and noggin knockers. Rude nails Steamboat with a clothesline as he has Austin pinned with a forward roll. They then double-team Steamboat, all four in the ring. Sting nails uh, Austin outside. Austin throws him off the ramp and goes back to slay him. Steamboat, as Rev pushes Rude to the corner. Austin hits an absolutely terrible backbreaker, then lifts him up again, and seems like he waits forever for Sting to go up top to leap off on top of him, and Rev counts three with both faces on top. Sting misses a Stinger splash on Austin. Rude hit mul- hits multiple awakenings on Steamboat. They then whip Steamboat as Sting covers him. Alliance beats up the security. Jesse justifies this attack based on the illegal pinfall with both faces. By the way, he's not wrong. To me, the match was very meh. I thought the attack after was very meh as well, especially with the promise that Paul Lee made uh, during a promo. Um, There was no retirement home type of beating here, and I thought it was bullshit. I only went two and a quarter. 
I was very, very disappointed in this main event, especially coming out of that promo. I am going to go reverse. Jake, I'm going to go to you first. What did you think of this main event? Uh, I'm a little higher on it than you, Sean. Uh, I do think Jesse immediately with this kind of brings some juice because you're so used to like just the way WCW's style is, is they don't usually have a strong or any heel commentator actually for a, a lot of this. Like a lot of times you're getting like uh, Tony and JR who are both like kind of dry baby face. I mean, like the, I mean, I guess face if they're anything. So it's good to have Jesse when you have this like hot heel stable to immediately come in and be pro alliance. So I thought that was good. Add some <laughs> the famous Jesse bearing uh, Rice University too. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that was, was that was that, yeah, that, like, yeah, that was that what has Rice line. ever done? Yeah, that was really great line. Yeah. JR saying, uh, what is it that uh, Stone Cold's dad played for you? Well, you know, his father played for Rice. Like, who gives a shit, Ross? Rice sucks. <laughs> um, I don't but, remember uh, the last time Rice was in a bowl. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was like, great. I, 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 I actually just, like, loved his restraint uh, to not make a really racist, like, uh, oriental joke at that point. So, But you know what? I took it as one anyway because it's Jesse. That's why. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. right. I thought he was trying to flex to, like, hey, I know about college football, even though I'm from up north. So I thought that was like, you know. Uh, you never get used to Austin with that Thomas Jefferson hair. Like every time I watch these matches with these guys, like it just, you know what I mean? It always throws me off. Like, I think even when he kind of gets more of like the shorter, but this, he's still got the full on ponytail and it's just, it's very odd. But, um, I thought this, they had a good, uh, heel face dynamic going. They kept the crowd into it. Um, I like, uh, them mocking the heels and like working over rude, definitely a more measured pace than, uh, you know, the balls to the wall of that, the match we got before this. And, um, I agree with Jesse on the double pin. I think that was, he kind of roasted and the, the double pin was a little bit goofy, but I did like, I did enjoy the, uh, I thought it was just a good old fashioned, like end of clash, uh, melee as they say to, uh, to close that out. So I thought that was fine, but I'm, I'm a little bit higher than you, Sean. I'd probably go maybe like a three on this, but, um, yeah, I feel like this match is probably looked back on finally, but it didn't really like I've seen this match be rated pretty highly, but it didn't quite get there for me. Wow, three. Man, I just I don't know what it is, man. I just thought this match was boring as hell. Rude for me. I have not been impressed by Rude in anything. So I I don't know. Logan, what about you? Um yeah, it it wasn't. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you, Sean. I'm, I was kind of disappointed and rude uh, as as always. As always, it seems to be with me me and you on the spot. Um, I thought there was a pretty good back and forth between Steamboat and Austin early. Uh, Steamboat then really kind of takes it to Austin for a, a little bit. Um, Sting was kind of dumb at one point for not immediately jumping Rude after he kind of got away from his corner. Um, Rude always with the great atomic drop selling uh, was great. Um, just imagine, I, I, and I made the comment, just imagine if Rude did anything else as well as he does that. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I, I, the faces continue to completely dominate. Uh, Sting kind of starts taking it to Rude after that. Um, I kind of like the faces uh, switched back and forth when the referee was turned, uh, since we're kind of used to the Alliance doing that. So it's kind of kind of good to see somebody else do that to them. Uh, Sting again du- is very dumb for uh, coming in while his partner is in full control, which actually allows the heels to uh, take over uh, when the ref's back is turned. So another dumb Sting move. 
Um, I, I, I like the finish. All right. I thought it was kind of cool, but, uh, I, I got to agree with Jesse at, at some point, but because it was kind of bullshit if you are a rule follower in the, in the world of professional wrestling. So, uh, Jesse's probably more on point. Um, and then steamboat seems to be the one that Paulie was talking about earlier as they double or do the, uh, two rude awakenings to him and focus on his neck. So steamboat seems to be the guy that maybe, uh, Paulie was referring to earlier, but I went two and a half. All right, so before I move on, so based on that promo that Paulie cut, isn't that kind of an underwhelming beatdown he did as well, based on what you were expecting? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. 100%. All right, okay. Uh, Schiff, what did you think? Since, like, Paulie made how he started off his promo was saying, like, uh, all my predictions have become true, I think this was the first one where it didn't really take place. Correct. So we see, like, oh, maybe the tide's starting to turn against the Dangerous Alliance, which I thought was nice. But uh, for my thoughts of the match, I went uh, in between you guys. I went two and three quarters. I I thought it was a fun match. Not as fun as the previous one. I'm not going to lie. I did enjoy Rude shitting on the couch potatoes and sit back because, you know, I felt like he was talking to me. So... (laughs) Shift's like, oh, look, Rude is channeling. He's looking at me. He's talking to me. That's how Shift looked at it. Wow. Okay. And um, all the top four contenders for the world title was in this match, which I thought was a nice touch. Um, it, it brings the part to where the top ten uh, means something. As, uh, you know, we saw AEW do that, and they seem to have gotten away with that in the past year. I think that might have been a Cody thing, to be honest. But I digress. Um, and like Logan said, the atomic drop, Rude selling is great. Um, Sting mocking Rude's hip swivel I enjoyed was was great. Uh, JR called Paulie the psycho yuppie from Scarsdale mm. at one point during this match, which I thought was <laughs> uh, was great. Uh, Steamboat also mocked the swivel, and I love like Jesse losing his mind when Steamboat and Sting were doing the illegal tags. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, mm-hmm. and um, like we, I didn't really like the finish with Sting jumping off the top rope for a cross body block and the double pin on Austin. Wasn't a fan on that, but I did enjoy like the DA getting their heat back because Rude was just beating down security and whipping Steamboat with the belt. And as we've seen in the past couple of episodes, especially with the Starcade episode, it seems like the few, the main feud of the Dangerous Alliance has pivoted slightly from from Rude versus Sting to Rude versus Steamboat, and I think that has to be done for what we have coming up at Super Brawl with Sting and Luger, but. I like how they're still focusing on Sting and Rude, but it just seems like Rude's focusing more on Steamboat after being thrown out of the Battle Royal um, because he hit those, uh, like, two or three Rude Awakenings. And, yeah, it, um, but it, it just seems like... So maybe Rude was, like, the main event heel, but he's, like, still upper mid-card, but not, like, upper echelon. All right, so you went two and three quarters? Yeah. All right, Souza, bring it home. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm more in line with you guys. I thought this was uh, pretty generic. I, I only went two and a half on it. Uh, quite a far cry from the six man we uh, we watched. Uh, I do think Jesse was great during all of this, uh, calling out Sting and Steamboat basically for the entire match on all their double team bullshit. I thought he was fantastic during this. Uh, the thing that really struck me too about this is I feel like this could have been like on any episode of TV. Like it didn't feel like big enough to main event a clash for me. Do you know what I mean? We've like, seen matches on TV better than this, by the way. Right. Like, I feel like you could have seen this on like a worldwide or something. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I think I would have done sting and rude here. 
instead of this tag because like, we like the blow off, right? Right, because we yeah. never really got a big blow off. Even if you want to make it non-title and you can have like a schmozzy finish with a DQ. Like, and also, uh, we haven't really seen Root have a full-length singles match. He's only had squashes. And, you know, we, we've all had our thoughts on Root. He's kind of a guy who could use a good match mm-hmm. at this point. So I feel like, you know, you do Sting and Root here as the main event. Have that be like the final blow off for those two. And then you throw Steamboat and Austin in the six-man and make it an eight-man. Maybe you have a, a better better show for me uh, or a better yeah two better matches for me but as is i feel like this was kind of a downer way to end this clash so uh yeah only two and a half for me yeah it's, it's if they had ended it with the six man it probably would have been better but I, I like your point if they had done a blow off for sting rude probably would have been better and they probably could have done a singles match even if they wanted to do like sting versus austin for the tv title or something i don't know they could have done something a lot different but. even if you want to do rude and steamboat here why not yeah well Whatever, just this tag match just did not work. So, Logan, what was the final tally on that one? 2.6. 2.6. So, what was the final tally on the six man? Uh, 3.45. All right. So, let's do the end of show awards. So, I mean, really, we only covered two matches. So, obviously, the best match is the six man, mm-hmm. and the worst match would be the main event, right? So, we got that covered. Mm-hmm. So, here, so, here's where I want to go. So, let's do least dangerous first. I'm going to start with me. Least dangerous for me. It's going to be rude and this is and rude for me he's the leader of this whole alliance thing and i have yet to see anything about rick rude that has impressed me yet and i something's got to give i got to see something out of rude to make me give a shit about him at this point because besides his atomic drop selling i am not impressed by him whatsoever he's just going through the motions his promos are going through the motions his matches are going through the motions i'm not feeling them uh matt what about you least dangerous Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you on Root again. He's very much like a leader in name only type of thing. Like he's he's supposed to be the guy in the Dangerous Alliance, really next to Heyman. And he he hasn't really done anything. So it's 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 a very weird situation. So, yeah, I I feel like you kind of have to go with Root here. All right. Souza, I'm sorry. Shiflet. I'm going with Larry Z. Um, okay, because... wait, 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 how the Sean's fuck, paying that. wait a minute, wait a minute, how the fuck are you going to go with Larry Z after that, I, I, wait, I can't, I can't accept that, how are you doing that? Host privilege. No, it's not going to be a host privilege, but I need, I need oh. him to explain, he can choose whoever Fucking he wants. Taskmaster Jim Hurd over here. No, right? no, Shif, <laughs> Sean Shif, Hurd. Shif, no, Shif can, Shif can right. choose whoever he wants, but I need to understand. I, I just, Jim Kidd over there. I, I I just felt in the match he um he was always on the defensive and he, you know he has big ass six foot tall Barry like six foot seven Barry Windham coming on his five foot four ass so like you know gonna be at least dangerous and at least Rude got some of his heat back by beating down security and whipping Steamboat and Sting with the belt at the end. Goddamn shift, you're on probation after this pod. <laughs> Wouldn't be but, wouldn't but, be the only five foot four ass uh, Barry's. I'm pretty sure you I just said Barry Wyndham was coming on Larry's visit. I, 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 I was gonna let it go, but you jackals jumped on it anyway. So <sighs> I think I think I think Shift I think Shift's lost his fucking mind. Logan, what about you? Uh, yeah, no, rude. Rude is the definite answer here. Let Larry take his poor at the best. Jake, what about you? Jake's like, oh, Larry. No, I think, <laughs> 
No, I'm gonna go. Uh, no, I'm going Rude too because I thought Larry. I think everybody. I didn't think Rude's particularly bad, but I just felt everybody else kind of carried themselves pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like the enforcers, I thought were awesome in the tag match, and um, you know, Austin's kind of the young buck, so he's not really supposed to always stand. Like in that match, Austin is like the low man on the totem pole with Sting and Steamboat and and Rude, and I think you said it well, Sean. Like he hasn't. He's still just cutting like his typical '80s Rick Rude pre-match promo. Like he should be doing more like what Paul Lee's doing and cutting these promos, saying like, like he doesn't really even talk about the Dangerous Alliance. He just puts himself over it and does the same shit he's been doing. He needs to kind of pivot more to like the badass leader, not just like the cocky heel. Well, now I realize it's why. He, well, now I realize why Shift picked up is because he said he connected with him by calling him a couch potato. Now I realize what happened. <laughs> <laughs> all right, most all right. So most dangerous for me, it's going to be hands down, Paulie. That Provo is fucking fire. Uh, Jake, what about you? Yeah, I think Paulie's the obvious one. I'll give a shout out to uh, to Larry and Arn though in the tag match. Okay, I'll go with that, Logan. That yeah, Paul for sure, no, no doubt. All right, uh, Schiff, will yours be rude? No, it's Polly. I wanted to say rude to piss you guys all off, but it, but it, <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't piss me off. I don't well, care. by the by the way, it doesn't matter if you picked rude if you picked Larry for least dangerous because major, majority rules. So what you said means shit. So you're doesn't matter. Look at your heard uh, backstage meeting right now. No, this is what shit. This is me and Shift every episode because he does it. A lot of there's a lot of tension on that side of the room. No, no, Shift does this to me every episode on purpose. I know what he's doing. No, he I don't. I legit have it down here. Is that I there is legit I no way? There is legit no way you picked freaking Larry. Sean Brown. needs <laughs> Sean needs proof. Damn it! Yeah, there's, there's no way. There's just uh, Matt. Your seats. Matt, most dangerous. Oh uh, yeah, I went with Paulie. Uh, you have to. That promo was uh, batshit insane and great. So. All right, Schiff, I do love you. By the way, love you too, buddy. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, on, on, on a scale of, on a scale of one to five. Uh, rating this journey of the alliance. Um, oh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to hold. I'm gonna have to reserve my thought. I'm gonna go with Matt first. Where would you go? One through five. Why the fuck did you come to me? Because first? because when I'm unsure of what I'm gonna say, I need to go to someone else first. <laughs> you know, hell. that's a host privilege. <laughs> oh, I I'll go first. Uh, I'll go oh, three oh, and all right, a half. All right, all right, all right, Shift. Go ahead. Three and a half. Why? Uh, you know, we had that great Paulie promo, and then the which. You know, is he was the most dangerous because he threatened to take out one of the top baby faces in WCW. Now it didn't happen, but it might have happened as you guys mentioned at the end when Rude was waylaying Sting and Steamboat with the belt. So, you know, we're seeing how vindictive they can be. You know, he ran down, he called like they were gonna cripple a wrestler and called it the Magnum TA wrestling retirement home. Like, goddamn. That was so good. <laughs> but, you know, and then we had the hot six-man tag match, which I went three and a half on, and then we had the main event tag match, which, you know, I went two and three quarters, which is nothing to shake a stick at. So, you know, I, that's why I put I pump it up to three and a half because that promo was awesome, and then the other two matches. Oh, and no Medusa. That might knock it up for uh, Logan. <laughs> so, I, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. All right, uh, Susan, what about you? I, I think I'm going to go three. Because I was kind of expecting something pretty good out of that main event, and I just think it was super disappointing. And I know the post match was uh, pretty well done, but I I just think as good as the other stuff was, that uh, that main event really dragged it down for me. So I'll go three on it. 
right. I think I'm. I, I think you said it perfectly. I think I'm going to go three for the same exact reason you stated. So I think I'm at a three two. Oh, thanks for stealing my shit there, Sean. No, no, you said it eloquently. I don't think I need to say any more. That's that's uh, not a thing I've ever done. But thank you. No, you you were you said it well. So I'm going three. Logan, what about you? I, I'm going to go lower. I'm going to go two and a half. I, wow. I, you know, they, I don't. I, re- I really don't think they pulled through on their promise. Uh, and from a dangerous alliance perspective, they both they lost both matches. So I mean, it doesn't really make them look super duper. Ah, that's a good point time. too. That's a good point. Too. The only reason I would really go two and a half, I probably would go mm-hmm. lower if the Polly promo hadn't happened. But Polly's promo was so good that uh, I think it. I think it gets those extra points. So I, I, I'm going to go lower, but uh, I think it was they didn't really pull through on their promise to really take out anyone per se. I mean, I guess you could say they did it to Steamboat, but it still seemed kind of weak at the same time. And obviously they lost both matches and kind of didn't look super super duper strong and and all of it so yeah two and a half for me god damn it logan made a good point too all right jake what about you (laughs) i'm gonna go with the three i think it was kind of i think it sort of held serve or whatever that terminology is like to me it didn't really amp anything up but it just kind of kept everything cooking but it also like i said it didn't really take anything to the next level either yet okay all right so that wraps up clash uh 18 and i believe if I'm not correct, this is the last clash that we'll talk about. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. If we, get... yeah. So that is the final clash. So, uh, I any final thoughts? So I'll just go around the horn. So Matt, any final thoughts of this clash overall in terms of, you know, just like in the realms of clash, where would you put this? Like, what are your final thoughts on this? So, uh, like I said, I I remember liking the main event a bit more. So the fact that I didn't like it as much this time kind of drops it a little bit. Like, it's still a pretty good show, and, like, there's solid stuff really throughout it. I mean, look, it has the best Van Hammer match of all time, so that's going to count for something, right? But, like, I, I, I think before watching it for this pod, I would probably have it closer to the top. But because I was down on the main event, I think now it probably resides somewhere in the middle. Like, I think the clash we watched from November 91 was a lot better than this, oh, yeah. for sure. Oh, yeah. For sure. So, yeah, I somewhere in the middle of the pack, I would think. For me, I would say it's probably maybe a little bit higher than the middle of the pack, just for the simple reason the opener is probably one of the most underrated that we've ever had. I think the Kip, the K. Allen Fry, the Jesse Ventura stuff is really good. I think the Van Hammer match is really good. I think the six man's really good. So, I think there's a lot of moments that are good in this. So, I think it's overall a pretty decent clash um, overall. Um, Schiff, what about you? I, I really enjoyed it. It was a fun watch. Um, I I can't wait to see what else is happening, especially with like your new head new head man in charge. Um, and interested to see where it takes us as we uh, begin this new year. All right, Jake. What about you as far as clashes go? Yeah, I think overall it's a pretty good one. I think between like even if it wasn't the greatest dangerous line stuff, I still think it was it was pretty hot towards the end. Um, the opener's fun. I think with there's a lot of I just felt like the whole energy of this show was it was kind of a hot a hot show because you got the K Allen Fry stuff, you got Jesse coming in, the DA stuff is cooking. To me, it came off as like I feel like as a whole, we're like moving in a positive direction. Absolutely. And Logan, wrap us up. Yeah, definitely a strong clash. Uh, uh obviously I like I said earlier, I didn't watch all the matches, but uh, from my memory, I think 
uh, this this is an, this ends up being one of those stronger ones for sure. A lot of memorable stuff happens. They announce the title match, the promo from uh, Paul Lee, like you said, and and as much as we may have been down on the main event, it, it was still a good match, and the six man was really good. So um, a very strong clash, good good matches, good moments uh, throughout. Uh, but yeah, just a solid showing for sure. All right, so that wraps us up for Clash 18. Um, just as a preview on our next episode. We will look at everything that happens the weekend after this, uh, the weekend of 125 and 126. So, uh, Jake, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, you will be joining us again. I believe it'll be Super Brawl that we will have you on for the uh, next pay-per-view, which is, um, from what I recall, one of my all-time favorite pay-per-views. So we'll see if that holds up, because I remember that being quite the banger of a show. So uh, before we go, uh, let's do some plugs. So, Jake, um, as our guest, anything you would like to plug? Yeah, uh, you guys all join me on the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast on the uh, latest episode, I believe, when this drops. Mm-hmm. And uh, we live watched the uh, WrestleMania 19 movie, The Mania of WrestleMania, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So we are all on that with Jake. So thank you for having us. And so, Schiff, what about you? Uh, yeah, check me out on YouTube Roulette. That's uh, where uh, we all lose our minds on that, except Sean. Um <laughs> I could be. F- I, I do a uh, Traders of the Lost Ark with Sean, Tim, and Andy, where we go over comic book arcs. It's a lot of fun. We really nerd out on that. Please check it out. Somehow we went into a deep dive about Jim Shooter on our last episode, and somehow it's going to continue again on our next episode. Spoiler alert! And I can be found on Twitter at Scott underscore Shiflet. All right, and Logan. Logan's on mute. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus God Almighty! You Shit, see? I'm sorry. Uh, I was just talking away. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, Matt. Logan. When when Schiff says uh, everybody loses their mind on YouTube roulette, he means himself. So let's oh be clear. yeah yeah. Let, yeah let's be clear about that. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on this very feed on the Extreme Three Way Dance. We're covering ECW. We're currently in 1997, so check that out. That is a great listen, if I may say so myself. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at msusan1991. All right, and Logan. Uh, I, I'm I'm currently going through a monsoon, so I was trying to um, uh, kill the background noise by muting myself. Well, I, I did unmute what, myself. What, to what speak, is going so. on? What is going on with you and Jake tonight with this weather? My I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, but anyways, I was saying Highway to the Impact Zone. We just did the uh, Against All Odds 2006 live watch. I think most of us uh, minus Schiff. Uh, we're there for that one. That was a fun uh, pod to record. I can't wait for everybody to hear it. Um, uh, Starflation and popcorn, or, and uh, Wrestling Chicken Salad are shows that I do with Callum and Ben. Uh, Wrestling Chicken Salad is looking at the worst pay-per-views of all time. And then kind of kind of the opposite with Starflation, we're looking at some of the best matches of all time, uh, kind of re-rating those based on the new seven-star scale. And then who's next with Andy Atherton? We go through current day NXT. So that's what I got. Excellent. And for me, uh, obviously, you can find me on here. Um, you can find uh, Schiff already brought up Traders of the Lost Traders of the Lost Ark, um, the comics pod that I do with him, Tim and Andy, which is a lot, a lot of fun. Even if you don't like comics, you should listen to that one because Tim usually. So we all we all take turns picking whatever arc we're going to talk about and read. Um, Andy is kind of the comics novice where he doesn't know anything, um, but Tim kind of takes us and leads us through the story of kind of the. The story of the story, the writers, the editors, and 
we learned some batshit crazy stuff and tim is an absolutely amazing host when it comes to that kind of stuff so please give that a listen um and then i was on andy's first episode of cartoons of our youth uh, which is going to be an ongoing pod over at the pod feed where um i did gi joe with him we did a live watch of two episodes of gi joe so give that one a listen as well and i do want to plug that i do want to plug the uh the wrestlemania movie pod that was awesome to do with jake and i do definitely want to plug the next impact pod where we did against all odds because we had a little mini reunion over there with the originals um and that one's a little bit batshit crazy and should probably never come out and whenever we that say that doesn't sound like us yeah whenever i say the pod should never come out that usually means it's probably an all-timer so definitely give that one a listen so um thank you gentlemen as always uh we will be back in two weeks for episode uh, number 13 and jake Thanks as always, and we will see you uh, back when we do Super Brawl 92. So, uh, again, thanks, and we will see you guys in two weeks. We are Shotgun.